So uh, we're continuing in the Gospel of Luke, and uh, we're continuing to see what, what Luke has been showing us about who Jesus is. And uh, I'll tell you, um, had a hard time naming this message today, right? So I, every week we've been having a, a message titled, Jesus As, and I, I was brainstorming with Calvin and our admin, Sarah, if you don't know who she is, and I was, I was trying to find one-word descriptions um, of Jesus as someone who's going to bear a cross, right? Like, how do you, how do, what, what do you say? That, you know, he's going to be on death row, he's going to suffer a punishment, a humiliating death. Um, and, and I thought we had some good ones that I didn't go with. Uh, one was Jesus is damned. We thought, uh, probably a little too strong and probably not something you want on a website, right? Or anybody to see. I'd have to explain that one for a while. But, so like, that one won't work. Jesus is accursed. Sounds sort of good, but it really didn't get to the point. Um, I consider those the good ones. We had some really bad ones, too. Like, Jesus is a goner. Jesus, Jesus is an inmate. We couldn't, we couldn't get to one that we felt uh, accurately described it, you know, and for the sake of branding, um, I couldn't just uh, choose one. So um, none of them described what we need to talk about tonight. So I went with the most obvious one, Jesus as a crossbearer, right? Jesus as a crossbearer. That's, that's the name of the message tonight. And uh, that's the reason, or that's the one that, that makes the most sense because the title of the message, like when, when I title them, the title it is meant to help you understand the response that's required to the message. Right? God's word demands a response. And tonight, the, the response that, that's needed, like the bottom line, just get into it right for you, is that Jesus bore a cross, and you should too. And if you're going to write down anything tonight, if you're going to take notes, if you're going to put something in your phone, if there's something you're going to remember, Jesus bore a cross, and you should too. That's why it was weird to say Jesus is a goner, right? Jesus is a goner, and you should be, right? Like, that doesn't make as much sense. So, um, now that we've got that framework in mind, and you guys know the bottom line, let's go ahead and see how, how we get there. So, open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Today, we're in chapter 9, and we're going to be in verses 23 to 26. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And, and in this chapter, let me give you a little summary. In this chapter so far, Jesus has been teaching his disciples what it means for him to be the Christ, like the saving one, the anointed one, the chosen one, the Savior. And it's here in this chapter that he begins telling them the details of how he's going to be the Christ, like the details of how he's going to save them, exactly how he's going to do it. And um, he acknowledges, like if you're looking in your Bible right now, like verses 18 to 20, he acknowledges uh, what Peter's saying, that he is indeed the Christ. Like he's telling them, yes, I am the one that's meant to save you. Verses 21 and 22 right there, he tells them, I'm going to die. So he's acknowledged those things so far, right? Like, I'm the Christ, I'm going to save you. By the way, I'm going to die. That needs to happen. Don't tell anybody yet, but I want you to know I'm going to die. Um, and that brings us to verse 23, where we're at now. So he tells the disciples that. And then it says in verse 23, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory. And the glory of the Father and the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Okay. 
So what we see here in the text is a purpose statement. It's a command. It's an imperative to tell us to do something. And, and what we see after that are three specific points. We're going to call them the, the four points or, or the, the because statements. Um, and you can see them actually at the start of each verse. Like if you go through that again, 23 is the imperative statement. But verse 24, for whoever, right? Verse 25, for what does it? Verse 26, for whoever is ashamed. And so we see right there that there's these three statements that Jesus outlines right afterwards. And so the way we're going to structure the message tonight is based off the scripture, right? Good place to start. I know. Thanks. Um, so we're going to start based off the scripture. And we're going to see one imperative, right? One command. This is like if you're, if you're taking notes, this is your outline tonight, right? One command and three becauses. Here's what you should do. And here's why you should do it. Super simple. Super straightforward. So, so let's start with that. What is the command that Jesus speaks of? What is the imperative that he gives us? The command is to, to take up the cross daily and follow after him, follow after the Christ. But he starts with this command, he starts this command with a qualifier. Like if you look at the very beginning right there, what does it say? It says, if anyone would come after me, meaning like if anybody's going to follow me, meaning like if it's your heart's desire to follow Jesus, if you claim to be a disciple, a student, a learner, if you claim to be a lover of Jesus, then you are one of those people that Jesus is talking to right now, right? If you desire to follow after him, he's saying, listen up, this is for you. And, and right there, Jesus is already dividing his audience, right? It says he's speaking to everyone, and he's already dividing his audience into two different types of people. He's dividing them into uh, the first being the people who actually don't desire to follow Jesus. But the people who in their hearts, they, like they might say it with their mouth, they may not say it with their mouth, but they don't actually desire to follow what Jesus is saying or who he is, right? That, that's the first group. And the second group are the people that do want to follow him. And so he started these two groups, and it's good to have this acknowledgement because we need to go ahead and place ourselves in one of those categories, right? And listen, like, if for any reason there are those of you in this room right now that would place yourself in that first category where you don't actually desire to follow Jesus, right? maybe you've been raised in it, maybe your parents do it, Maybe you're here because a friend brought you, whatever that may be. If, if that's you, uh, I'm starting this message with a plea. Listen. Because right, we're about to see that, that that category, those people, there's some pretty scary stuff coming from them. Right, there, there's a harsh reality that we can't ignore if we're going to talk about the gospel. And if you're in the second group, if you're ready to listen, Right? You, you want to follow him, then I take this message as an encouragement, right? An encouragement to keep on keeping on. Keep on persevering in what the Lord has for you and what he's calling you to do. And I'm going to leave it up to you to decide which category you fall in tonight. Like the Holy Spirit will direct you in that. But, but So Jesus starts with this qualifier. And then he moves on to the meat, right, to, to draw them in. So he started with like, if you want to follow me, if that's you, let this person deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow after me Let, let's take this verse a few words at a time to get a better understanding and let's let's start with the cross 
right? Like this is, this is new info for the disciples. I told you like he mentioned that he's the Christ. He mentioned that he's going to die. And then he doesn't even tell them that he's going to die on a cross, right? Like that's not informa- information he's given them yet. But he all of a sudden says like, if you're one of my disciples, you're following me to that cross, This is brand new information for them that they need to process because this is a cross that he hasn't gone to yet. This is a cross that he hasn't been crucified on yet. This is a cross that he has yet to even mention to them. And so they're shocked, right? Like, wouldn't you be, like, shocked to to find out that the man that they love, the man that's their teacher... The man that's their mentor, and and as the Jewish people understood him, like the man that's coming to rescue them from the tyranny of Rome. The man that's coming to save them. To find out he's going to die the most humiliating death you can possibly imagine. Like, let's put ourselves in their culture for a minute, right? Culture and understanding the context of scripture is key to proper interpretation. And, And I want you to know, like, the cross was the pinnacle of humiliation. Like, if you went to the cross, you died naked, you died exposed, and you died very publicly. And often, like, you you were left on that cross for your body to, to rot so that all could see and know that the type of person that you were in life was deserving of this death. Like, that's what it meant for someone to go to the cross. And not only was it just humiliating, but the cross was unbeatable. Like, no one had ever survived a Roman crucifixion. So when you, when you say that you're going to the cross, you're saying this is certain death. If you're going to follow me to the cross, you're going to certain death with me because there is no way to avoid it. Once you're being crucified, your life is over. So it's humiliating and it's unbeatable and it's this excruciating pain. And if, if that wasn't enough right there, like these men are Jews, Jewish Men and, and the Roman process of like this excruciating torture, putting someone on this cross, like that process was a constant reminder to the Jewish people that Rome had won, that Rome had dominance, that Rome was ruling over them. And so the Jewish people, it was, it was like they would be walking down the road to Jerusalem. Like the Jewish people would gather together and they would head into Jerusalem for these, these festivals, right? These holy festivals that they would gather together. And as they're walking down the road to head to Jerusalem, you know what they see? They see crosses lining the side of the road of people that have been crucified, of Jews that have been crucified. It was a constant visual and public reminder that they were not their own people. And that they had someone that, w- that was ruling over them. And so I pray you can understand just how the disciples would have felt. How they would have been like completely appalled at the thought that their teacher, their Lord, their Savior, this man they love, would, would be hung on a cross. And I, I want to put it, like I, I'm hitting sort of heavy tonight, but this is important. Because if you say you follow, you need to understand what you mean when you say you follow, right? Like, I don't want anybody stepping lightly into salvation. It's an amazing, grace-filled thing, but we need to understand what we say as well. And so I want to put it in today's culture, right? In today's culture, it would be like using the electric chair. I got a picture of one up here. Not used as much nowadays, but it's the same idea. Capital punishment, right, To, to bring somebody who had committed a crime to death. Not just the, the electric chair, but also lethal injection. Most popular form of capital punishment now, right? 
I'm going to leave that picture on the, the screen for a little bit while I'm, while I'm talking about this, just so we can process it. So there, the, you saw those pictures, right? And you can see that right there. There are rooms. That's what those chairs are right there. Like there are rooms that people can sit in and they can watch this happen, right? It's not just that this person is being punished. It's that they're being punished publicly for anybody to be able to come and see what is happening to them. They can watch the, the punishment. They can watch the death happen. Now imagine, like, if you took that and you put that outside for literally anybody to be able to walk up and see and mock and shout and scream, you can now begin to, to get an idea of what it would be like to be on that cross and to have people like that not sitting in chairs but standing around you. You've got to imagine what the cross meant for the disciples. The images that would have come to their mind. And in our day, this is the type of image that would have come to mind if Jesus was talking about going to the form of capital punishment, right? right you, can take a, you can take a picture off the screen. And that's not just to mention the fact that it was Jesus that was going there, right? It wasn't just that it was a cross. It was literally Jesus. Like, I want you to go ahead and imagine someone you admire, someone you respect, someone that maybe mentored you, right? Maybe a, a parent or a teacher, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's an older sibling, like someone that, that you can never imagine doing anything worthy of a death sentence. Like, can you imagine them on that table then? No. But that's what it felt like for the disciples, for Jesus to say that to them. That's how serious it was for them. For him to say those words, right? We're so desensitized to the idea of Jesus on the cross now that we, we don't fully think about what it would have meant for him to say, pick up your cross and follow after me. Pick up your cross and die a humiliating death like I am going to. I imagine that if you can't possibly imagine someone you love and care about there, then like you're in the same spot at the disciples and now we can start, right? Now we can start with, with the because statements and, and what we should be doing. Because we can put ourselves in that context and culture now. So, so here's Jesus saying he's heading to the cross. But it's not just that he's heading to the cross. It's that he's now saying, I want you to go with me there. I'm going to the cross. And my expectation of you is that you're also going. That they too would find themselves in this form of like humiliation and punishment. And on top of that, like Luke particularly uh, adds a word to this gospel uh, account that's not found in the other one. So the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, they all record this exact same story, this exact same teaching of Jesus. But Luke actually keeps one word in the account. It's, it's one word that has a, a slight change in the wording, but it has a huge implication for the meaning, right? It, it creates this double meaning for us. And that is... He recorded that Jesus used the word daily. Like the other two just say, take up your cross and follow me. And Luke makes sure to include the fact that Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow after me. It's essentially meaning like, I want you to go to that place. I want you to go to the electric chair daily for me on a consistent basis. Like he wants us to be willing to follow him to our death, but not just one time, right? He, he wants us to be willing to go there at any moment, at any day. He, he wants us to be willing to follow him into humiliation or persecution or whatever it might be. Like what Luke is stating here is that we don't just follow Jesus one time. 
you didn't just follow Jesus once back in a church pew or at a summer camp or by your bedside when your parent led you to, to know the Lord. Like, that's not the one time you follow Jesus. Jesus is saying that you do it every single day. It might have started at some point, but it hasn't ended and it won't end. Every day we choose to follow after Jesus. Every day we make that commitment. Following Jesus is the daily basis, dying to ourselves daily, laying down our pride daily, giving up our rights daily, going through humiliation, persecution is something that we do, what's the word? Daily. So Jesus' declaration here is that if you desire to be someone who actually follows him, if you're saved, then you take up the cross, you follow him with all of your life. and You will deny yourself, meaning like, you're going to deny your own selfish ambitions. You're going to deny your own will for your life. You're going to deny your own desires and goals. And you will allow those things, like the things that you hope and dream for, that's what you're going to allow to be executed on the cross every single day. And instead, you're going to follow the one who took up the cross before you and took up the cross for you. Right? He led by example. He took it before us and he did it for us. So, so what's the imperative? Like, let's go ahead and get to the summary. I told you there's some other statements right after this. So what's the imperative? What's the command? If we're going to summarize it, it's that if you desire to follow Jesus, you deny yourself daily. And that, and that deny yourself is your personal ambitions, your goals, your hopes, your dreams, your plans, and maybe even your life. On a daily basis, you'd be willing to do that. And if you desire to follow Jesus, you will follow after him in this plan of self-denial and God-glorification. And, and that statement right there, like, Jesus saying that as a teacher, as our Savior, as the Christ, which he said he is, like if you're a true follower, that right there should be good enough. Right? Jesus said it, so I'm going to do it. That's what it means to be obedient to him and be submissive. Jesus said it, I'm going to do it. But Jesus, he's gracious, and he's loving, and he's kind. And Jesus is gracious enough to not only tell us to do it, but to tell us why. Because we're going to fight that, right? We're going we're gonna to not want to give in to that. We're not going to want to die to our own things. But Jesus is gracious enough to tell us why. And so here they are, right? The three because statements that I told you we'd get to. So go ahead and look again at, at Luke 9.24. Right? That first statement, for, means because. So because whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So the first because statement, they all start the same. The first because statement is deny yourself and pick up your cross daily because the opposite is useless. The opposite of taking up your cross daily is absolutely useless. And I, I want to go ahead and I know I'm treating you like elementary schoolers, but I found it helpful for myself, so I hope it's helpful for you. The definition of useless. The definition of useless, if you look it up, is not fulfilling or not ex expected to achieve the intended purpose or desired outcome. If something is useless, I mean, it's, it's no good to, to achieve the desired outcome of something. So when we say that doing the opposite of taking up your cross and following after Christ is useless, we say it's not going to achieve what you want it to. The other option gives you nothing. 
If instead you're concerned with protecting yourself from persecution, if you're in, in concerned with protecting yourself from humiliation, if you're concerned with protecting yourself from losing all that you've ever dreamed of, all that many of you are going to college for, all that many of you have ever wanted and your parents have wanted for you, if you would rather sit there and protect that, if that's you, if you would rather pick up the flag of you and wave it around than pick up the cross of Christ, if you would rather be that person, it's going to have the opposite effect of what you want. That's what Jesus says, like, follow after me, because otherwise it's the opposite effect. Trying to build up your own life will only lead to it being torn down. Trying to save it from awful death that may be found on a cross, right, will actually lead to an eternal death, as we'll get to in a minute. So let me be, let me be like, even more clear. Jesus is saying, that if you aren't the type of believer that is willing to die for him, if you're not the type of believer who's willing to give up anything for him, then you're not the right type of believer. That's a hard word. I understand. Right? I mean, we're starting to get serious about this. But you know what? As Jesus goes on in the Gospels, he gets more and more serious and more and more urgent. And so we're going to see that happen in, the, in these passages. So Jesus gives us two options, right? If you're, if you're thinking through like, well, what are, what are my options? You've got two options in life. You have self-preservation or God glorification. Those are the two things you get. And which one are you going to choose? Self-preservation or God glorification? You live for one of those things. So the, the first statement, deny yourself and pick up your cross daily because the opposite is useless. Let's, let's look at the second one, 925 right there. Another because statement. Because what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So the, the second because statement is deny yourself and pick up your cross daily because the opposite holds no reward. And it's not just that it won't achieve what you want it to, it's that there's no reward in it in the first place. The opposite of following after Christ holds no reward. Like Jesus is saying, anything that you can possibly hope to gain fulfilling your own dreams and plans it's useless and has nothing to give you like jesus is teaching in matthew like lines up right with this so this is just listen matthew 6 19 do not lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven or on earth where moth and rust and destroy where thieves break in and steal but instead lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal meaning you might have your hopes and dreams on a diploma you might have it on a house, on a spouse, on a dream job, a dream car, but all those things fade away. All those things rust or break or need renewed or burn down or just get passed on to somebody else when you die. Right? They're not actually eternally yours. All those things are going to fade. But what you did for Christ is the thing that's eternal. So I, I came to Christ at 17, right? And so I had a lot of catching up to do, um, and I had a lot to learn. And so I remember when I first came to Christ, there was this old man in my church. Um, well, I mean, he was probably my age at this point, right? But to me, it seemed old. So he was probably in his 40s, shows up, and he's got this stack of CDs, which I know most of you probably don't have CDs nowadays, but they were all the rage, I promise. Stack of CDs, right? And he's like, you need to listen to these. These will teach you a lot about Jesus. I'm like, okay. So I remember... Um, how many of you know who Casting Crowns is? Right, there's a good, all right, there's still a good little chunk of Casting Crowns people. So they have this song called American Dream. 
It's on one of their first albums, and uh, every time I hear this verse, it reminds me of it, right? I just want to read to you part of the lyrics. It's, it's about this man that believes in the American dream, right, and is constantly trying to build his own kingdom. And this man says in the, in the song, like, he used to say, whoever dies with the most toys wins. But if he loses his soul, what has he gained in the end? And that framed it well for me, and, and the, the, the response right after that in the song is, I'll take a shack on a rock over a castle in the sun. Guys, that cross doesn't look pretty. Right? That's not like a pretty looking life to the world. Right? That is a shack, but it is built on an eternal rock that will not fade. And the things of our life that we desire and want for ourselves, that's the castle, beautiful castle. But it's built on sand. It's not going to last. It'll fade away. Like that, I know, like that was a big impact. And another one was uh, when I was in college, there was this worship leader that sang a song at a, at a worship event. And I remember it just like, it wrecked me, right? And to these day, like to this day, I still sing this song all the time, just, just like to myself. Um, you guys link it up if you want. It's called When It's All Been Said and Done. And I'm just, I just want to read these verses to you. When it's all been said and done, there's just one thing that matters. Did I do my best to live for truth? And did I live my life for you? When it's all been said and done, all my treasures will mean nothing. Only what I've done for love's reward will stand the test of time. Deny yourself and, and pick up your cross daily because the opposite has no reward. But following Christ does, right? And here's, here's a third one as we wrap up. Luke 9, 26. For, because, whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So third because statement. Deny yourself and pick up your cross daily because the opposite will kill you. The opposite is useless, the opposite has no reward, and at the end of the day, the opposite's going to kill you. Look at uh, the, the first line in verse 26 again. Jesus, right there, in 26, is equating that if you don't deny yourself and take up your cross daily, then you are ashamed of him. That's what he means, right? So if you don't do it, you're ashamed, that's the same person. And if you're ashamed of him, he will be ashamed of you at the end of all days. That's what he's referencing. Like when he says the son of man... He's actually referencing the end of days, like the end of times. It's actually taken from Daniel chapter 7, talking about, I'm going to read this for you. This is the end of days. It's going to happen. It's in our future. Everybody in creation is heading towards this moment in time. And Daniel 7, Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. That's Jesus. And he came to the Ancient of Days, God, and was presented before him. So at the end of days, Jesus will be presented before God. And to him, to Jesus, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages would serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom uh, one that shall not be destroyed. So, when Jesus used the word son of man... He's referencing this amazing moment where he, as the Son of God, will be presented with dominion and glory and a kingdom that's going to have everybody, all nations and languages there, and they're going to serve him. And this kingdom that will belong to his people, they will be there forever, and it will be everlasting, and it won't be destroyed. And what Jesus says here in Luke is that at that day, at the most glorious moment in all of history, 
when all of creation belongs to him and all of his people are with him, there are going to be people that he's ashamed of. Like, let that sink in for a minute. The most glorious day in all of history. And there will be people feeling the shame of Christ upon them. It's in that moment he'll have people he's ashamed of because they were ashamed of him and his words. That's what it says. They were ashamed of him and they were ashamed of his words, Luke tells us. His words are, take up your cross and follow daily after me. Are you ashamed of that? Are you ashamed to do that? And I want to look at the very last verse there. What, is it, what does it mean? What does it mean that, that there was a shame, right? It means that they won't have everlasting life. It's not just that they'll feel pity. It's that when he says a shame, he means that they're not going to receive everlasting life. And how do I know that? Like, am I just making that up? No, like, look at verse 27. He says, but I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. So the word but at the beginning of that sentence means in contrast to. So what Jesus is saying is, there will be people I'm ashamed of, but in contrast, there will be people that get to live forever. That means those are opposites. People who live forever and people that Jesus is ashamed of. So that's why the third statement is, pick up your cross and deny yourself daily because it will kill you. means that there is no everlasting life for you if you are a person that is ashamed of the words of Christ and of Christ himself. Now... Always with the caveat as we end here. Always with the caveat that that is not what saves you, right? The, the, the actions you take, right? you might actually physically go on a cross someday and die. I don't know what history is going to pull off here, right? You might actually do that, but that's not what's going to save you. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what saves you. Right? True confession and belief in Christ. But what Jesus is saying here is that those people that confess and believe, those are the people that are also going to be doing this. Those are the people that are also going to not be ashamed of him. And so it's a fruit thing, right? It's an evaluation of you. Evaluate where you are. Are you the type of person that is ashamed of Jesus? Is ashamed to follow after him? You're, you're afraid of persecution. You're afraid of what people might think. You're afraid of where he might lead you. And ashamed means you, you just run from it. You don't actually want it. Or are you the type of person that is going to be a cross-bearer like Jesus was a cross-bearer? Right back to the beginning. Jesus was a cross-bearer. And you should be too. Thanks for hanging in there, guys. The word of God can be really hard sometimes. But in it is found everlasting life. And I want to give you an opportunity, right? I know... Um, sometimes this can cause a lot of thought. So I want to give you an opportunity that uh, if that hasn't been you at this point in your life, if it's just been something you've said and nothing you've done, if it's been something you're following because of a name or because of your family, and you haven't made it yourself, you haven't made it your own, you haven't confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that he was raised from the dead, I'm going to give you that chance now. Right? I'm not asking you to respond. I'm not asking you to to do anything in this moment except if that's you feel free to, to pray in your heart along with me 
The words don't save you. It's the belief that does. And my encouragement would be to you to, to tell someone, right? Tell someone tonight. doesn't matter who it is. Tell someone that you've, you've come to faith 